podcast. I'm Vivian Gabor, and I'm getting to finally sit down with Mila O'Day, one of my hugest drag idols. How are you, Mila? I'm doing great, you know, doing uh, social distancing like no other. It's the best. (laughs) I decided, I saw that uh, video of, um, I can't remember her name, but it's from that show, like Anita garden or whatever making that cosmo with two cups of vodka i'm definitely doing that tonight. oh i know garden yeah Ina garden yeah oh my god that video makes me so happy because <laughs> i grew up like the only channel i was allowed to watch on saturday mornings before my parents woke up was food network right um, i i blame my anxiety and me trying to multitask on rachel ray because <laughs> do you remember her show when she would like grab 80 things and she's like i don't like doing trips so i literally yeah I, I blame her for my reason of doing that. <laughs> 30 Minute Meals, it was the best show mm-hmm. ever. Oh my God. That brings back so many memories of just watching 30 Minute Meals, watching uh, Emerald Live. Yeah. Um, trying to remember. Oh, did you ever watch Jamie Oliver's show, um, The Naked Chef? <laughs> if I did, I don't remember. I just, I watched Rachel Ray, the Ina garden or whatever and paula dean okay oh my god yeah. paula I, no, I remember one day turning on turning on um the naked chef because he was cute and i was like oh my god is he gonna be naked i was he must have been like nine or ten at this point and he wasn't naked and i was like well guess i'm not watching that show yeah <laughs> so um i mean i've never gotten a chance to actually sit down and talk to you um i've just been following you on instagram for years and years and years and years yeah, um, I, I remember uh, meeting you. Was it at DragCon or was that a show that we did in L.A.? I think so. Did you? Yeah, I think it was one of the like DragCon after party shows. Yeah, and you, together. and you let me use your hairspray. Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, wow. I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, I've been obsessed with your drag ever since. Um, Thank you. And yeah. same goes to you. I love, I love your drag, and I love um, your costumes and just every like you kind of do everything. I try. I'm yeah. learning. I'm getting better at everything. Yeah. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um. So I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit, like, how you got started in drag, where this all came from. Um. You've done some really cool things, so. I'm yeah. excited to hear about them. Well, I've always been like a musical theater junkie. Um, I've always been in choir, um, just a uh, a lot of stuff in high school. So I've always been a performer. And um, 
I didn't really know what drag was until I watched Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar with my dad. Yes. Uh, and I, I still was confused by <laughs> drag queens. Um, I was I was very young. And then um, uh, fast forward, I started going to the nightclub where I now currently work. I'm a show director there. Um, I went there with a friend for karaoke, and I still wasn't out of the closet. I didn't come out till I was 20, 21, 22. Um, so I would go there and then I started going more often and I would only go with my friend because I didn't want to go alone. And, you know, I was, I was super, super shy outside of drag and, but like on a stage, it's, it's kind of like that Beyonce, Sasha Fierce type thing. But I remember seeing my first drag show and I was like, what is this? I was like, my whole life, I always thought I was Britney Spears. So <laughs> I could literally put on makeup and go on stage. So I started going out and drag more. I had a friend. I still have a, he's still a good friend of mine. He's a makeup artist. And he was just starting to work for Mac at the time and showed me a video of a drag queen, Misty Maven. I, do you know who Misty Maven is? They I've heard Peach, the name, yeah. They're a uh, Petralude on YouTube. Okay. Very, like, you should look, look, I'm sure you've seen one of his videos. He literally sure, was, yeah. he was, it was like him, Misty Eyes and Blanche Babcock that were like the OG YouTube drag queens that taught everyone makeup. Okay. Um, So showed me one of his videos and, you know, started, he started putting me in drag at his house just out of boredom. And then I actually started going out in drag. And the show director at the um, at the office nightclub saw me. And she was, like, just starting to take over shows. And she's like, I want you to audition. And I want you to be on the show cast. So the audition kind of... She basically just wanted to see how I did on stage, so I didn't even have to be in drag because she had already seen me. But I went there and went on the stage at the office, which it's... The office nightclub stage is fabulous. It's huge. It's high off the ground, and there's, like, this whole backstage area that is huge with, like, lights, and it's it's fabulous. But anyway, I digress from that. Um, <laughs> she loved what I did and asked if I wanted to do a show, and I got scared and chickened out. And my two mm. friends, my, they were like my first gay friends. Um, they ended up doing it. And you know how all baby drag queens are. It's all this competition. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, if they can do it and be that bad, I can totally do it and be good. So <laughs> I did it the following month. And a lot of people, I still have my first performance on YouTube. My best friend is a choreographer. So we did a little dance together. I performed um, Wonderland by Natalia Kills. And that was my first performance. And everyone was actually kind of in shock that it was my first time doing drag, which technically it wasn't because I've always been a performer, but because of the makeup and stuff. I hired a makeup artist for like three oh, wow. years to do my makeup before I started doing it myself. And then finally they were like, why don't you just start doing it yourself? And I've always <laughs> had a fascination with makeup. And uh, part of my career today is an esthetician and a professional makeup artist. I've been doing that for over... 10, 10, 12 years. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You are an incredible makeup artist. Like every time you post something, I'm just like, Oh my God, how did she do this? How did she do that? Like, <laughs> um, my drag mother, Petra Luter, Misty Maven, um, just sat me down and I've always done my makeup and it wasn't bad, but they sat down and 
just taught me a few things and it stuck. And then I picked up on my own techniques and I'm big on photo retouching. I love like photography and retouching photos. So mm. I would, I would retouch photos because I'm like, Oh, I didn't look like that in person. Why am I looking like that? Looking like this in a photo. So I'd retouch my photo and I'd be like, Oh, if I'm doing this this way, why don't I just do it with my makeup? So yeah. I just kind of learned how to do makeup more through doing that as well. Yeah, that's actually, I've heard a couple of people say that that's how they, they kind of honed their makeup skills. And mm -hmm. it's such a, it's such a cool, um, cross pollination between the arts. I love when that happens. Oh yeah, most definitely. So how long have you been doing drag? Uh, <laughs> how do I lie about my age all the time because I always just... <laughs> I'm forever 25, but um, I, I want to say I started doing drag shortly after I came out 22, probably 10 years, nine or 10 years. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I always did a show at the office. I was on the show cast, so I would, I would perform every other month. And then um, I became really, really close to the bar owners. They were like family to me. They still, they still are. Um my father passed away in 2015 and um, I was in school at the time and I was so depressed and I just needed something to do. So they offered me my own show, which has uh, been running now, I think, since 2015. Wow. Five years. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, well, technically, I want to say it's more like four years because it was the end of like 2015, I think. Um, but yeah, that's been going on. My I host a show monthly called MOD. Um, MOD stands for Mila O'Day, but it's also kind of a little twist off the word modern. Like, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day when they're like all in their flapper dresses, like, you're so MOD. So it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, a play off of that too. Yeah, that's amazing. I think something that, that strikes me is that I... This is sorry. It just kind of struck me when you were when you said that you done you've been doing drag for about ten years. I've been doing drag for about five years. Mm -hmm. um, hit five years in January. Only performing for four and a half years in drag, mm -hmm. but drag for five years. Mm -hmm. And I find myself constantly. I, I I'm one of those people that I constantly play that game of comparing myself to other people and like why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? Um, and it. It never fails that when I see other people, I'm like, oh, why am I not doing that yet? What am I doing with myself? Um, it's always someone is like, oh, yeah, I've actually been doing drag for 10 to 15 years. And I'm like, oh, well, I've only been doing drag for five years. I guess I can calm down. <laughs> and I think that's something we don't talk about a lot in, in the drag world. Yeah, especially lately. So I'm because... I've been doing drag so long. I was doing drag before all of the social media, Instagram, before drag really hit the mainstream, you know, how, kind of how it is right now. It's very mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm fortunate to say that I really, I, I don't compare myself to others. And I've always, I was taught that at a very young um, time in my drag career, not to compare myself to others. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah. I know I'm good at what I do, and I, if someone else is does something similar that's better, or, you know, 
whatever, good for them. It's people love me for who I am, and I love all types of drag. I am pretty blessed, you know, with how I grew up that I... I guess it was the way I was raised. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not a I'm not a very jealous person at all, and mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of helped with it too. But um, going back to comparing yourself to other queens, if you like, I look at it this way: if you feel like you have to be like someone else, then just you know, don't do it. Like be original, and if you like what someone does, you know, put your own little twist on it or. Um, yeah, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you know, not you specifically, but like just yeah, yeah. Uh, like everyone, <laughs> just like uh, everyone. I see a lot of newer queens that are, you know, they all kind of do the same thing. Mm. You know, they try to get that Instagram clout, and you know, I see some of these performers perform live, and they have the personality of a milk dud. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, be a good person, love what you do, help others, and. Mm. Don't be a mean girl, you know, that's, or boy, or whatever, uh, yeah. whatever you identify as, so, yeah. Um, what's, what's kept you going in drag this long? Like, I've, I've definitely, I've, in the amount of time that I've done drag, there have definitely been times where I'm like, I'm taking, like, a year off from this, because I cannot, <laughs> I cannot deal with this right now. It's a lot of work, and I always think back to the reason why I started doing drag was because I felt like a rock star. I felt confident. Drag has given me confidence in my out-of-drag life. Um, I I simply do it. Sometimes I'll just be at home, and I'll just put on makeup because I, I love it so much. I love the transformation. I love being artistic. It's definitely an artistic outlet. And, you know, sometimes... It, I mean, it's okay to get tired or put something on the back burner for a minute because when you get re-inspired again, it's just going to be that much better. Um, I've taken, you know, breaks from drag. I've taken a few months off here and there. And then and then you kind of miss it. You, you see people doing it. You're like, oh, I want to get back out there. But it's mostly because I feel like a rock star and um, I just feel confident. You know, yeah. it brings out a confidence in me and... I love the drag community. I love that we all have this community where we can share tips and just be, you know, a drag family. Yeah, completely. Um, what's, you mentioned that um, drag kind of has given you confidence outside of, mm-hmm. outside of it as well. How has that, um, how has that found its way into your everyday life? Not being afraid to talk to people because, of course, when you're in drag and you're at a show, first of all, I'm on stage in front of hundreds of people and I do it no problem. Um, so I guess outside of drag, it's helped me with, I'm, I've am always been a shy person, but it helps me, like if I'm, I'm not afraid to like go out to, I don't know, a restaurant or a bar or a club by myself anymore and just get to know someone who's there where before I always felt like I needed someone to go with me. Um, I was always insecure on how I looked. I've always been insecure about my size. So doing drag made me realize that I'm a beautiful person inside and out and I have no reason to um, be shy or not want to um, state my opinion on things or join in on the conversation someone once said i can't remember where i saw it they said that they um are an introvert but because of their job and lifestyle they have to 
put on that face. And that's kind of what I have to do. I work with people every day and, um, uh, I kind of naturally just became more of an open and open person, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, I think drag does in, in the same way that theater does that. I think it, Mm -hmm. it allows you to express things in a constructive way Mm-hmm. It allows you, it gives you a new language in order to communicate what's going on inside to the rest mm-hmm. of the world, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it's funny because I see a lot of drag performers outside of drag who are completely different people, very shy and mm-hmm. reserved. And there's some people that I know who've been doing drag, you know, you know, eight plus years who drag becomes a part of you so even when i'm out of drag there's always sometimes a little bit of mila there oh yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i'm definitely people are always a little shocked when i go out out of drag because i'm the type of person that i'll get a single drink i I i'll just one drink for the entire night and i'll sit at Mm -hmm. the very back of the bar and just Mm -hmm. like watch people and not talk to anyone not because i don't want to talk to anyone or think i'm better i'm just really super shy but I want to like be in that environment. So I just go and kind of sit and drink my drink. <laughs> well, and something too, it's, I, I will still always be shy, but sometimes when I go into, I've been booked so many places and have been around, you know, the area, like mm-hmm. the, any, a lot of places in Illinois and Wisconsin mostly. Um, so a lot of people, in, in like through social media and through my music, a lot of people know who I am. So that kind of helps when I go into a place because someone usually knows me and they'll come up to me and introduce themselves and stuff like that. So that's always a plus or that's always nice too. It kind of helps um, break the ice without me having to really do anything. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned this and this was actually something that I wanted to ask you about as well. Because we're both big girls. We're both mm-hmm. plus-size queens. Yeah. Um, and you have recently undergone um, a, a substantial amount of weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wondered if you would talk a little bit about that experience, um, both for the podcast, but also for me. I'm really curious <laughs> what you've been what you've been noticing. Yeah. Well, my whole life, I've always struggled with my weight, and I... I'm six foot one and my lowest weight I've ever been was around like 250. Um, after my dad passed away, shortly after that, my best friend passed away of breast cancer. She was 31. And then my grandma mm. passed away like a month later. So oh my gosh, I went through this weird depression and I just ate and I ballooned up to the biggest I ever was. And I noticed that I couldn't do everyday things the way like I couldn't get shoes with strings on them. I needed slip on shoes. I, mm-hmm. everything I owned was stretchy. I had such a hard time finding clothes. I, you know, couldn't bend over. And I've always like, and it affected my drag. I, you know, the first time I realized something was really, really bad was when I had to stop performing on stage because I was too out of breath. And that mm-hmm. has never happened to me before. And um, I was embarrassed. And, um, you know, I finally got to a point to where um, I was at my my doctor, my primary doctor. I've I'm I'm ADHD, so I um, see my doctor every six months for medicine for that. Mm. And um, 
I'd went to him and he was really discussing my weight and my blood pressure was going up. Um, I was having a hard time sleeping, etc. So he's like, I want to send you to a nutritionist. Uh, so I, I was like, fine, whatever, I'm down for it. Uh, so I went and saw a nutritionist and I basically laid everything out on the table and they told me stuff that I've already heard. And, you know, it's so hard. Like it, it is so hard to lose weight and it's, you know, what you're doing is wrong when it comes to food and stuff like that. But, and then sometimes you don't, sometimes you realize you're doing stuff and you, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I was treating my body this way. So mm. anyway, um, I was walking out of the hospital for, and thankfully I had, you know, I, I didn't have diabetes. I, you know, I didn't have any major like health conditions due to my weight. Um, I've always tried to take care of my body with vitamins and stuff like that. But, um, so I was very, very thankful that I didn't have any, um, major, major health mm -hmm. risks, you know, uh, besides high blood pressure, which is still, you know, concerning. So anyway, as I was walking out, I saw a sign for bariatric surgery and I haven't been, I actually haven't told a lot of people about this, but, um, I saw it and I took a picture of the flyer and I called the number and I made an appointment. But before I was able to make an appointment, I had to send, I had to get approval from my insurance, which they improved it, uh, which they approved it. And I went, um, when you first are considering bariatric surgery, they have you do this like four hour class. So um, I went and I learned about the three different types of weight loss surgery. The one that struck me the most was vertical sleeve gastrectomy, which is where they basically take out 85% of your stomach. So you, with that happening, the hormone in our stomach that makes us hungry goes away. And uh, we get full a lot faster. You can only eat after you're all healed, after you are all healed, about six to eight ounces of food. So I was like, that's the one that hit, uh, struck me the most, just because I've heard a lot of complications with uh, Rue and Y, which is the actual bypass. Mm. Um, so anyway, I scheduled an appointment and I started doing all the things I needed to do. It was about a six month process. You have to see a nutritionist. Every month you have to see a psychiatrist. You have to do see a cardiologist. You have to do a sleep study. You have to do a lot of things. Um, well, I got a phone call about three months into the program and the program completely shut down. And I was like, oh my gosh, my weight was still coming on. Um, so I was like, I just Googled a doctor and it was a blessing in disguise because he was from Chicago, but he went to Rockford every Tuesday to see new patients. And then when you did the surgery, you would go to Chicago or Bolingbrook. And um, I met up with him his bedside manner was amazing. He's one of the best surgeons out there. Mm. He actually would teach the surgery. So I actually had vertical sleeve gastrectomy and it was the best decision of my entire life. And the only thing I regret is that I didn't do it sooner, but mm. it's just, it's just a tool. You do get full faster, yeah. but I've completely, I mean, I've lost 140 pounds in seven months. That's crazy. Wow. But it's, it's like a person, but I, yeah. Some people get the surgery and they still eat whatever they want. And yeah, they lose weight because they can't eat as much. But I literally, I haven't had bread. I haven't had, you know, sugar, you know, carbs. I'm basically on Atkins. I, I mean, I haven't mm -hmm. had, you know, I've been really, you know, self-control. And, you know, that hormone in your stomach that makes you hungry and crave food 
goes away, but it only goes away for a little while. You know, it eventually comes back. But I've really, you know, decided to change my life. And I realized that no one could change it for me besides myself. You know, I've, and I was at, so I ballooned up to 481 pounds. Um, and now I'm at like three, I think like 340 or something like that. And my goal weight is to get down to 250 pounds. So I still have about another hundred pounds to go, but, um, that's, that's my weight loss journey. And I believe me, I know I am part of the BBW big and tall community. I know a lot of people out there and I know how hard it is, you know, I've learned that I would eat out of boredom. I wouldn't eat when I would get, mm. I wouldn't, yeah. I guess boredom is an emotion, but I wouldn't eat when I was sad, angry, or stressed. I actually wouldn't eat. Um, but I would um, eat when I was bored. And I just, a lot of people that are overweight have this constant, they need that feeling of being constantly full. And mm-hmm. um, that was a, you know, thing I had to do. That's why there's a process when you do this, because you have to learn how to eat again. And you're basically, your anatomy is changing. So you have to treat your stomach like it's a new baby. So um, that's what I did. And, wow. you know, I, uh, like I said, it was the best decision of my entire life. I don't look at myself as any less of a person for getting the surgery. Um, because you yeah. still have to work just as hard if not harder, because your body doesn't absorb things the way it used to. So you have to take double vitamins. You have to make sure you're taking your protein and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. I was just going to say, I bet with that, you have to be really specific about the types of foods you eat and, and how often you eat and stuff like that. Because if you're not able to take in as much, Mm -hmm. you have to be more specific about the, the ratios and what you are actually eating in order to get the nutrients that you need. Well, especially so it, it does sound like a lot of work, <laughs> especially breads. And sh- it's not as hard as you think it would be. But um, once you get the hang of it, but breads and flour and rice foods that swell in your stomach, you want to avoid. Yeah. Carbonation. Um, but I can basically, um, you know, I can basically eat a normal diet. I mean, I um, I'm pretty much vegetarian. I don't eat meat. Um but I do have dairy, like I'll have eggs and cheese, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and you know, one time this was about two months after I had the surgery, um, I was at an award ceremony and drag and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I can't eat food. I don't want to be bloated, but there was this cheesecake there and I took a bite and cheesecake <laughs> is my downfall, but I ate that piece of cheesecake and it took me an hour. And then I just, you know, drink a lot of water and made sure everything else I made choices for that day. I did, um, you know, well, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think that's actually really, uh, it, it's something that I have thought about in the past. I'm not in a place financially or medically where I could do that right now. Um, I, the, the thing I think that is my biggest block to losing weight, because I've tried many times, I've actually lost large amounts of weight before. Mm-hmm. Um, both by working out when I was in high school, still, I did strength training and conditioning one summer and dropped 50 pounds in two months mm-hmm. just because I was finally active. Oh yeah. Um, and then a few years back I was houseless and I had very little money and I dropped a hundred pounds in six months. And that was just, but that was very unhealthy. It was because I was eating like half a pack of ramen a day because I couldn't afford anything else. Right. Um, 
but I did, the thing that I noticed is how differently people treat you, even between being like extremely Absolutely. obese and just slightly obese, there's such a, a vast difference socially mm -hmm. in how you're treated. Yeah, absolutely true. I've um, fortunate enough to know or to surround myself around good people and people who've loved me for me. And so I haven't noticed a huge change um, uh, when it comes to that. But you do have to get used to people looking at you through a skinny lens because, I mean, it's going to happen. People treat you differently when you're, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are, uh, but I am getting looked at a little bit differently from guys and stuff like that. But I'm like, uh, get away, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, even when you are overweight, there are a lot of people out there who have fetishes with that and they only like you because you are bigger mm -hmm. and they, you know, and it's just like, you know, you don't, you know, whatever, you know, but, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and um, I will tell you financially when it comes to the surgery, um, I would not have been able to afford it without insurance. The insurance I have, and I'll just say it, it's Blue Cross Blue Shield. It was PPO. They covered 99% of the surgery. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really and amazing. If your BMI is over 40 and you have two underlying health conditions, whether it's mine was like high blood pressure and depression. And that's the thing. I'm not depressed anymore. It's, it's just crazy. I feel like a whole different mm. person. Um, but, uh, you know, insurance covers it. Most, most insurances will cover the procedure, um, which is nice. I do know a lot of people who will go to, a lot of people will go to Mexico and get yeah. this done, but it's very scary because you really need to recover after and you should not be getting on a plane and stuff like that. But yeah, I am very open book about it. And the funny thing is, is I was very open about it in person and at work to people. I wasn't, I'm not so much open about it on social media as much, but um, I uh, am very surprised when I was open about it at work, I've met a handful of people who have actually had the surgery. Wow. And it was very inspiring and it's very fast recovery too. I was, I was good to go in two weeks, you know, only wow. like the worst, the worst of it was two days after the surgery because of the bloating from the, you know, anesthesia yeah. or whatever. So, but with the weight loss, my drag, like, I feel like I can do more in drag now when it comes to performing. I don't get winded. I can wear my heels and not have to take them off. You know, costumes fit me better. You know, I feel better on the outside and I look better on the outside, but that's not what it's about. I want to live a long time. I want to be healthy on the inside. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what really matters. I just did a checkup a few weeks ago at my doctor. My vitamin count came back amazing. My electrolytes, I'm off high blood pressure medication. So Yay, that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah. I I keep trying. I'm so mad because I keep trying. My my approach to weight loss currently is I also want to get into bodybuilding mm -hmm. um, uh, in a healthy way. Yeah. <laughs> not not the, don't want to do steroids, but in, yeah. in a healthy way. And because that's another way to lose weight because the fat is used by your muscles as they're growing. It's Absolutely. muscle food. Um, and before I left New York, I, um, I had been going to the gym for about three months straight and I already noticed like some similar things. Uh, hmm. I'd lost, I'd lost only about 20, 30 pounds. Um, that's a lot so of weight about, though. about 10 pounds a month. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but because I've been really working on my muscles, I was, I found that I could be in my shoes for over an hour before they started to hurt me for Mm -hmm. once instead of like when I was, I think my heaviest, I was 465 somewhere in there and I could Mm -hmm. only wear heels when I was on stage. And as soon as I was off stage, they were off my feet. Yeah. So we're about the, how tall are you? Uh, six foot. Oh yeah. So we're about the same height and we've been around the same weight. Yeah. It's. It's, it's hard, and especially for me, I held it in my stomach and my face. Oh, mm. it was horrible. But um, I will say, too, something that I've been doing, I will tell you that, like, sugar and, like, complex carbs are the devil. I feel like mm. I've had so much success because I've cut out sugar. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll still have a little bit of sugar, whether it's in my coffee creamer or whatever. And I'll, I'll allow myself, you know, 20 carbs a day, you know, basically Atkins. But I cannot believe that's how I was putting on all the weight was through sugar and carbs. I didn't realize how much sugar I was eating. Cause I would eat like yeah. a huge bag of Skittles and it would say that it's very low in fat and lower in calories. But when you look <laughs> at the sugar and carbs, I didn't, I wouldn't even look at that. I would just look at the fat, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely cutting sugar and carbs. I still believe I need carbs, like, you know, through vegetables and stuff like that, but um, definitely like white flour, you know, I, I stay away from all of oh, that. Oh yeah. So, refined, yeah. refined carbs are the ones that, that hurt you mm-hmm. versus things like anything that's in a vegetable or fruit. Like that's why they say um, it's sucrose that hurts you, not fructose. Mm-hmm. So like if you're having things that have been sweetened with fruit juice rather than refined sugar, it's a whole lot healthier for you. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I always follow those rules? No. No. (laughs) Why, especially during quarantine, I definitely put on some weight. You cannot do that. 100% of the time, you cannot follow the rules. You know what's funny is I've been taking this quarantine as a time to try to get a little more healthier. So I've been taking walks and I've actually, I've lost eight pounds, you know, the past couple of weeks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. My biggest thing is, yeah, it's that. I, my problem was I started the the whole quarantine process with like, I can have a little bit of, as I called it, a little bit of happy every day. So like I went and got like a two liter thing of Dr. Pepper and had a little of it each day. But Mm -hmm. the problem with that was it went from a little Dr. Pepper to half the bottle to the whole bottle. Honey, I would buy Diet (laughs) Mountain Dew and Diet Pepsi by the two liters and they'd be gone in a day. I I Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it gets really bad, but, Mm -hmm. um, what are so you so right now you're going on walks you're doing other things what are you doing to kind of keep yourself sane right now um i've actually uh worked on music i just um finished a song that is in the process of getting ready to go on itunes and spotify Ooh. and all streaming networks yeah um so i just announced that last night and it comes out april 12th um so i've been doing that to keep me sane i've been um playing with makeup, doing photos, been cleaning my house a lot, like head to toe. Um, I uh, do have a friend who's, it's one of my best friends, and um, we kind of been quarantined together. Like, we both haven't really been leaving the house, so I have seen her a couple of times, and while still practicing social distancing, but um, Mm -hmm. her and I see each other every day anyway, and, uh, you know, we... uh, so I've been seeing her. I've been talking on the phone a lot, FaceTiming a lot. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's about it. You know, I'm pretty much a loner. I live alone and <laughs> I uh, do better by myself. Like 
I a lot of people are worried about me because they know me. They're like, oh, he's always, you know, whatever. But um, it's actually like the people that were worried about me, um, I've been more worried about because I have a lot of friends who are very active and out in the world and being quarantined. And, you know, it's I'm glad that I can be there for them because I'm fine. I'm I'm golden. I prefer being by myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm I'm somewhere in between. Like, I normally, when I'm allowed to go outside, I'm a very introverted person. Mm-hmm. But I think as soon as that message came through, that was like, you can't go outside. You have to stay home except for essential grocery store runs and pharmacy. Immediately, like, I started dreaming about being in a club. And I started dreaming about performing. And, like, every bone in my body is just like, go mm-hmm. out, go out, go out. You need to see I know. people. <laughs> I do miss people and I miss performing and being out, but I'm doing okay. But it's funny you say that. Can I talk about something that isn't, that's like PG 13. Yes. So I, I guess you could say I'm somewhat celibate. I don't have sex. I Mm -hmm. not a very sexually active person, mostly because I was always insecure about my weight. But, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a total milk dud, but, um, (laughs) now that I know that I can't have, sexual relations I'm so sexually frustrated I'm like why I don't do it anyway but just because I can't do it now I want to do it so it's right? so funny yeah oh, like, ah! same thing with me oh my god okay so this is probably too much information but I'm, Never. <laughs> I'm one of those people that like normally I'm a like two to five times a day kind of a person oh, like because okay. I'm just home and I get bored and it just happens and I'm normally on my computer because I'm working on stuff and whatever but as soon as quarantine started it's like i've gotten hornier but i'm not interested in doing anything about it it's the weirdest phenomenon oh it you know going back to the weight loss thing since i've been losing weight oh my gosh that's all i think about like i don't know what's changed with me but (laughs) i'm just like oh my gosh i'm just like Oh, and then mix that with my vodka and water. And I'm like, oh, gosh, that's a... <laughs> I'll just start messaging my friends and be like, send nudes. No, I'm kidding. No, I do. Not. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't drink alcohol anymore, really. Uh, I've done some research and the only thing I do drink when I do is vodka and water. And then I put meal in it, those flavor enhancers. Okay. Like, I used to be a whiskey drinker and it would make me like all fun and dandy. But vodka really messes with my sex drive and I'm like I don't care who you are when I, I'm like we're getting married that's another part of my problem along with I mean talking about sugar my the my liquor of choice is rum mm. and that's literally sugar yeah <laughs> it's so like, hard I can't it's so hard I can't like I can't do whiskey whiskey makes me angry um, vodka does literally nothing to me. I come from a long line on both sides of my family of alcoholics and we're like Eastern <laughs> European in descent and like vodka does nothing. Like Same. I can shoot I mean, vodka and it not feel it. Before my surgery and the weight loss, like nothing would really get me drunk, but I come from a big Italian family. So everyone mm-hmm. likes to be loud and drink. So after the weight loss, you metabolize alcohol differently. So you do get drunk faster. I shouldn't be saying this because I <gasps> shouldn't have alcohol, but I'm at, <laughs> now, I'm at the point now where I can have it conservatively. But um, I did vodka and um, water and I'm like, Ooh, like I, feeling good and then after i started putting meal in it the flavor enhancer it's deathly it is like fruit punch 
and vodka makes me like happy drunk and everything like that i never black out or anything though which is good i i know my limits when it comes to alcohol yeah. So, but it's definitely when I'm tipsy and drunk, uh, the introvert and the shyness in me completely gets thrown out the window. I start, <laughs> I start giving people free shows. I start performing on the dance floor. It's horrible. I am crazy. <laughs> but I mean, I think... me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I feel like that's pretty, that's pretty typical. Um, mm-hmm. the, the only alcohol I absolutely never drink. Um, is tequila and it's because tequila is the one alcohol that like a shot of tequila and I literally my eyesight goes away I don't know what's happening I get really disoriented it lasts for like it only lasts for like five minutes but like I completely black out from a single shot of tequila it doesn't matter what kind it is it's so scary it's the weirdest thing i once had someone i was a karaoke host twice a week uh-huh. in seattle oh, that's fun. and people would buy me shots and the the bartenders were under instructions that if anyone ever wanted to buy me a shot the bartenders were the only ones allowed to deliver them to me mm-hmm. um but they w- were only allowed to give me vodka even if they said it was whatever else it was for the people yeah and but one day someone just bought a round of tequila shots for their friends and they had an extra one and they gave it to me and I was like oh what the fuck if it was bought for me then the bartender probably knew and gave me vodka anyway and I threw it back while I was hosting karaoke and luckily the person singing was doing like bohemian rhapsody or something so it's like a 10 minute long song and uh-huh. I just I sit down and I can feel it coming on and I text my bartenders and I'm like if I don't come to in five minutes you get the spin. Me. I uh <laughs> That's something similar happened to me too. I used to always be a whiskey drinker, um, like Lady Gaga. No, I'm kidding. Um, I uh, so I would be on stage and I'm always trying to get people to buy me drinks. I'm like, who wants to? Someone get me a shot or whatever, because I always like I don't like going to the bar when mm-hmm. I'm on stage. Um, so uh, people would bring me shots and someone brought me tequila. I think it was Patron, which is I guess a better tequila. Yeah. I sip it back and immediately the whole front row just had a Patron bath. I was like, who in the fuck gave me gasoline? And oh, it was <laughs> it was funny, but I literally felt like someone tried to poison me. I cannot stand tequila. I can't stand the taste of tequila. It's no. I, I really, I need to do some research because it's always confused me how different alcohols can affect people in different ways. Yeah. Like, I, it's all alcohol, so why why does whiskey affect me differently than vodka or rum? Like, rum just makes me flirty and happy. Yeah. Like, two rum and Cokes, and I'm all about flirting and making out in the corner. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Same. Well, actually, no, when I drink vodka, um, I also, when I get drunk, I do accents, and I'll, I'll do, like, a British <laughs> accent or... As of recently, because of Shit's Creek, I turn into Moira Rose. I am <laughs> Moira, Moira Rose is me, and I am her. <laughs> God, I need to catch up. I stopped watching after the third season because I got distracted by other stuff. But. Oh, it gets better and better. They get more into character. Oh, I love them. Oh, God. Yeah, it's so good. So much. Um Speaking of which, what have you been watching recently since we have so much more time to watch things? 
I've been watching um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Oh, yes. Obsessed. Everyone is gorgeous in that show. And I, I truly just want to be either Aunt um, Hilda or Miss Wardwell. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, what else have I been watching? I probably will start watching um, Desperate Housewives again. Again. Good. Been, <laughs> I'm glad you I, said again. <laughs> I've watched that. I've watched every single episode, all eight seasons, like five times now. And oh, yeah, same. I, I do it like once a year. I've already done it this year at the beginning of the year, but I think I'm going to do it again because I just, I love it so much. Uh, I love all of the characters. I love uh, Vanessa Williams. She plays mm-hmm. Renee. I, her and then Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty is another good one. Oh, I'll my probably. God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Same. Yep. I mean, specifically Desperate Housewives, I was literally just talking about it yesterday because I feel like everyone's watching it right now. Like, it's the perfect, the it's the perfect show. Like, I have seen it through probably, yeah, like five, six, seven times. I used to fall asleep every night to, to Desperate Housewives. It was like my, my calming white noise. Um, and it, no matter how many times I've watched it, it never ceases to amaze me how unproblematic that show is. Oh my gosh, yes. And it's it's surprising because there are, what, eight seasons? Yeah. And it was early 2000s and mm-hmm. nothing at that time was unproblematic. Right. And somehow, somehow Mark Cherry found that that bit of magic and was able to just run with it. Let me tell you, it is like oh. literally one of, I think it's one of the best shows that was ever on TV. Oh my God, yeah. And uh, I think, I think oh. that show honestly was one of the things that helped me kind of come to terms with being gay because of mm-hmm. the whole, the, that whole storyline and like how Brie took it and all of that kind of stuff. And it just, it gave me that confidence to be like, you know what? I could probably tell someone this and people wouldn't care. I love, right, and I love every single character on that show for many different reasons. They're all my favorites. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a theater kid. I'm an actor Oh yeah. at heart. So when I would watch the show, I would, like, kind of um, uh, method act as one of the characters. And for, like, a couple days, <laughs> I'd turn into, like, an alcoholic like Brie. And some of the other days, I'd be a conniving, like, teacup poodle like Lynette. but um no such a good show it is and i still cry every time mike delfino dies and it's oh my god yes and and edie brett i'm like why in the fuck did you kill her off literally and that episode where they kill her off and you start they actually like develop her character for the first time you're like wait you literally just made us fall in love with her in an episode and now she's gone yeah fuck you mark (laughs) yeah there's a quote I, she said. I can't think of it right now that Edie said, but um, oh, it's so funny. I gotta, I uh, whatever. It, it's such a good quote, but it's so good. Such a backhanded I, compliment that she would say. I'll message it to you later when I figure it out. Okay, perfect. I'll put it in the description box. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the moment I was truly sold on that show though was when I realized that the title of every episode is a Sondheim song name. Mm-hmm. And the moment I realized that, because I think the first episode I noticed it was finishing the hat, and I was like, "That's such yeah. a specific title." Yeah. Wait a second. And then I started going through the other names of all the episodes, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> He's it's... just a nerdy gay guy too. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Oh totally. Yeah. 
Um, I'm messaging my friend Alicia to figure out that quote. And just, I think, I think the reason I enjoy it so much is because he was so specific about writing a show that made the women, both the antagonists and protagonists, and made it, I, ultimately, I think what it is, is that it's, it, it is a completely ridiculous soap opera. Oh, but yeah. He, but he created such real characters who mm-hmm. react to things in such real ways. Yeah. And then the fun of the show is just watching these real people get thrown into stupid situations. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, and everyone on there was hot and just, I mean... And then right. that one guy who... He was one of... I can't remember what season it was, but he was uh, Susan Delfino's boyfriend. He was one of the actors from Queer's Folk. And I was Yes! Like, the, the painter, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. I think my favorite my favorite like saga on that show was when the plane crashed on the lane. Oh gosh, that was at huge. Christmas time. It was so crazy. And yet everyone I mean, going back to my point, just everyone just like reacted in such human ways to it and dealt with the grief and dealt with the the shock and all of that in such real ways. Like I I feel like I learned a lot of life lessons just from watching a soap opera. <laughs> uh, yeah, same. That and um, uh, side note, I was uh, also Once Upon a Time. I've been catching up. Oh my up God, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Once Upon a Time. But yeah, definitely learned uh, life lessons from uh, the good old girls from Wisteria Lane. <laughs> um. I don't normally ask this question. I really should ask this question when I talk to drag queens. Yeah. Um, but because there are so many baby drag queens out there, and I feel like um, they're not they're not given the the necessarily the chances that we had when we were starting, or the, there's a certain stigma that comes mm-hmm. with being a baby drag queen right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give? to queens who are starting out or who may be in that like first year, year and a half of drag right now. Yeah. You know, I, uh, totally agree. It's not as easy to, you know, get a gig as it was, you know, five, 10 years ago, but Mm -hmm. even now I think it's even harder for, um, drag veterans because everyone, everyone's a drag expert now, especially with the yeah. so mainstream. And it's like, don't tell me what to do. Like, are you like, right. I, I have, I know this person who always talks smack about if someone does something in drag that they don't like. And it's just like, you, you literally know nothing about drag. Shut up. But, um, <laughs> the thing, the thing that I would say to new queens and to new performers is to not expect everything to be handed to you and um, to put in the work and show that you actually do want to do it. Don't just do it just because everyone else is doing it and you want the attention. Do it because you are a performer or you you want an artistic outlet. Um, you know, if you're going to ask some, I will help anyone who needs the help, but if you're just helping, asking me for help, just like for a one-time thing, or you're not putting in the effort to try to build your drag, then maybe drag isn't for you. But um, the other thing too is for new drag queens is to go to drag shows, show up in drag, watch the show, you know, talk to the queens there because it's much easier to 
talk and get advice from queens that have just finished performing, especially if they have a few cocktails in them and they're outside having a cigarette or something. Mm -hmm. Those are the times to really talk to someone and um, be nice to people. Don't, don't be a bitch. Like don't, don't do the whole calling people out on social media, you know, type thing. It's just like, be genuinely nice to people. You don't, just because you're a drag queen and a new drag queen doesn't mean that you have to be a bitch. A lot of people think that, oh, I'm I'm drag queen. Now I'm going to be this sassy bitch. And it's like, no, be nice. And good things will come to those who are patient and who put in the effort and, I mean, because I must confess, you know, I think we've all been there. When I first started doing drag, I was never, I never rubbed it in people's faces, but I definitely thought I was the most gorgeous human being in the world and no one could tell me anything. But I didn't make it so public like a lot of these queens do. And the other thing, too, is... (laughs) Way to call me out. (laughs) I I think some seasoned queens, too, need to really not retaliate and fight back and try to school people online because um, I think sometimes that can make it worse depending on how they word it. You can always give really good constructive criticism, but don't come at something at, you know, from an approach that could be taken wrong or that's going to make someone defensive. Um, But uh yeah, I think it's because, you know, every, I feel like everyone's all about cancel culture these days and everyone, mm-hmm. people are always wanting to cancel someone. But it's funny when I'm looking on my timeline and seeing things that have happened a year ago or two years ago and seeing what people were posting about, it's just like, I think people should really take into consideration that it's the little things that matter and just be nice to everyone and you know, I believe in karma. If you put good out into the world, good will come back to you. And um, yeah, so I digress with that. Going back into it, be nice. Uh, find a drag family, find a community in your town, whether it's online or um, at a local bar, especially um, if you're under age. You know, there's a very strong drag community, but they're mean. <laughs> I've judged some. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they can be a little mean. And uh, it's like, what gives you the right to tell someone that you don't look good? Because maybe what this person is doing is, you know, saving their life. Because drag saved my life in, you know, certain yeah. ways. So, so just to stay humble and to, you know, everyone will get their time to shine. And if we all shine together, we will all win together. There's room for everyone. So... That's my that's my advice. That's my ADHD advice. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that um, there's there's time. There's time for everything, mm-hmm. and especially right now for people who are thinking of starting drag or starting performing in any way, shape, or form. Now is a great time. Absolutely. Because none of us are performing, and all of us are just sitting around. So why not paint a face each day and practice or why not? And maybe, and then take a picture of it and send it to a queen that you respect and say, Hey, what do you think? How can I, how can I do better? What could I do? Um, 
Of course, yeah. if anyone did that with me, I'd just be like, do like three more faces today and keep doing that until you find something. You oh, like. yeah. <laughs> I, the best advice I was ever given in drag was, you know, find your face, find your character and stick with it. If you want to be a dancing queen, that's fine. But that's what everyone is going to expect out of you. So I yeah. uh, so if you stop doing it, people can be like, why did you quit dancing? But um, that's the other thing, too, is just <laughs> it's just being nice to people. I mean, there's I've, I've seen times where new queens, one new queen will call out another new queen and say, why do you wear the same wig and same costume all the time? And it's just like, you know, at least they're trying, trying. Maybe they don't have the means to yeah. get a costume made or get a new costume. And I recycle costume all the time, multiple times a month. Granted, I'm going to different venues where no one has seen me or seen me wear that. But on social media, people see you wearing the same thing and people like to be a little bitch about it. But it's just like, okay, you can sit at home, you know, saying that I'm out here, you know, making the money or whatever yeah. but it's just like, yeah well and people used to give me a hard time when i first started because i only the only wig i had was a ponytail yeah and i just i had long hair on top and so i just pull it back into a bun and attach the ponytail or i just le use my own hair yeah. and people forget that just because social media exists you don't not everyone has the money to have that kind of stuff around them like yeah, a wig could be as cheap as 20 bucks, but 20 bucks is a lot of money to some people. Yeah. And some people, you know, they're like, well, you should make your own costumes or style your own hair. It's like, you know, I, I know how to dress myself. I know how to make myself look stylish. I know how to do my makeup. But, you know, sometimes that's not people's forte. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes, like, if I, you would not want me to make my own costume, let me tell you that right <laughs> now. I've tried and I've failed, you know, and... You know, that's why I think it's so wonderful that there are uh, drag performers and artists out there who are offering their services to other people um, to make them costumes and stuff like that. But the other thing, too, is people also know, like, people ask me for help with certain things all the time. Sometimes people will be like, can you do my makeup? And I'm like, yeah, it would be $50, but I'll do it. Yeah. And that's cheap. I usually oh, charge, yeah. I, I charge a lot more in my professional career doing like everyday, you know, makeup. But when it comes to drag, it's like, so you expect me to do your makeup for free. It's like, no, pay me to do it. I'm not going to do it for free. I mean, like if you're one of my really good friends and, or, you know, whatever, that that's something different. But if you're just someone I don't know asking me to do your makeup, don't get mad when I tell you that I'm going to charge you to do it. I don't know what in your right mind would think I would do it for free. It cost <laughs> yeah. me 15 grand to go to school for six months to learn about proper sanitation and uh, makeup and, you know, makeup theory and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to do it for free. And that goes with everyone. People shouldn't expect to have stuff done for free. I am, however, about trading services. I think that's wonderful. Mm, something. Yeah. You know, I will do work for you if you want to help me with something, you know. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a new queens too, expect to spend the money. You know, you're going to have to save up money. And if you yeah. don't have a lot of money for a lot of things like we were just talking about, that's fine. But get what you can get or take what you have at home and make something new out of it and get creative. Let your create creativity flow and when you do start getting the money then you can start investing in uh some upgrades but i mean you know you could you could there's so much you could do oh yeah completely and i mean i even have times i'm a designer and i don't always wear things that i make myself just because i run out of time or maybe that day i'm lazy so i get someone else to make right. something for me or 
I go out and buy something. My right. saving grace when I was starting drag was thrift shops. Oh, I still, my best friend owns, my best friend Rachel owns a plus size boutique called Secondhand Curves, and she takes in sizes 12 and up of trendy fashions. Everything I get is from her store because- Oh my God, I'm so jealous. Bras, I mean, now she's doing stuff where you can even buy, you should follow her on Instagram, um, Secondhand Curves, hit her up. She could even send you some stuff. Um, Really, I'm talking inexpensive. Like, I have this amazing new bra. I don't know if you saw my picture I just posted the other day of my new single cover with my boobs were all perky. That was mm -hmm. just from one bra that was, like, probably a $50 bra I got for, like, 8 bucks. Oh, and my she, God. And all the stuff she – I mean, I get so many sequin stuff. And anything that she gets that's party or club wear, she always tells me first so I can go and snatch it up. Um, yes. She's done, like <laughs> – full fig she does full-figured fashion week. She has, like, 80,000 followers on Instagram. She knows a lot of people in the plus-size community. So, heck, I send everyone to her, and I get all of my drag from there, and I can kind of spruce it up. I mean, she gave me a big bag full of, like – sparkly shoulder padded 90s 80s jackets and she's like these are kind of you know not in style i don't know if you want them i was like they are in style for me give them give me all the, <laughs> give them all to me so yeah you should hit her up because she she even ships and stuff now and it's hard for her because especially during this quarantine you know she's it's it's hard for local businesses especially where i'm from in rockford there are so many local businesses and we're big on community and stuff like oh, that yeah. so it's been so hard you know not being able to have your business open. So yeah, check out her store. She just, I just got a uh, MacDougall designer gown. Do you know MacDougall? It sounds familiar. Makes a lot of pageant and prom dresses. Okay. But um, uh, for 50 bucks and it was a size 26, you know. Oh my gosh. You know, so she gets those. She's like the only plus size resale shop in like the area and like in Illinois pretty much. So she gets a lot of hidden gems. So there's anything on there that you on her website that you, or her Instagram that you would want, hit her up, she'll send it to you. And a lot of her stuff is so inexpensive. Like you'd be surprised what you can get to add little flares to your outfits. I will absolutely do that. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, I think I'm going to let you go. Cause yeah. I actually, I need to go make dinner. Cause I haven't eaten dinner yet. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's already been an hour. Oh, you'll have fun. It at it has this. been. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Mila O'Day, M-I-L-A, space, capital O, uh, apostrophe, capital D-A-Y. Um, or you can find me on Instagram. It's Mila O'Day. Um, it's just M-I-L-A dot, or like a period, O-D-A-Y. You can find me on Instagram, too. Perfect. And if anyone would like to tip you, how do they do that? Um, I do have Venmo and PayPal. My uh, Venmo is, that's my government name. It's at James Maples. Uh, at James Maples. And for PayPal, I think the email to send it to is, um, I just do Venmo. I don't even really. Perfect. It. Well, yep. <laughs> don't don't give them your email. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for sitting down with me today. I'm yeah, so you. happy that we finally got a chance to actually like sit and talk. Yeah, and I would love to do it more in the future. Just chit chat. I yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'll let you know if I ever make it back to Chicago. I would love to. The last time I was there, I didn't get to perform. So 
if you ever come back to Chicago, let me know. I'll set up a ride and we can pick you up and you can be in one of my shows. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. You enjoy your quarantine, you enjoy your social distancing, and you enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. Thank you so right. much. Bye. Bye. Yeah, but. 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 Thank you for listening to Yeah, But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week, same place, same time. Yeah, but.